What's going on, everybody? This is Heath with Tillman's Corner Sports Talk. And I want to take every second for to thank everybody for listening, whatever time you're listening, either tonight or tomorrow or just during the week. We really appreciate it. And uh, take a second and subscribe and give us a review and everything you can. And uh, email us at Tillman's Corner Sports Talk at gmail.com or go to our socials, me, uh, Heath Tillman, or Stephen Tillman. And we got a link in our bio. If you click it, it'll take you to either Spotify or uh, Apple Podcast. And you can message us with any questions or anything. But yeah, uh, Stephen, we got a local shout out we want to give. Yeah, yeah, we uh, you know we like giving shout outs to our local players because uh, in the area um, there's a lot of lot of talent around here. And there's one we've already did uh, done one kid from Baker that was on the basketball team. This next kid, Josh uh, Flowers, he's a sophomore quarterback at Baker. Um, he's a pretty big kid. I think he's like six three, two hundred ten, two hundred twenty pounds. So pretty big for a sophomore. Um, and he's already as a sophomore has offers. Uh, that I saw specifically from Alabama and Florida. So two pretty big names. And then obviously a lot of other schools are, are looking at him and uh, I'm pretty, I'm sure whenever he's a senior, he'll have his pick of wherever he wants to go in the country. And so it's exciting to watch him. Uh, I watched a little bit of the highlights on him and he, he looks pretty, pretty legit, obviously, because he's getting offers from Alabama and Florida, but it'll be fun to see how he progresses and who he eventually chooses in a couple of years. Yeah, for sure. It's always exciting when you got local talent that these big programs are after and Baker high school is right around the corner from me and this kid's a beast. And I, I'm excited. I'm going to go watch him probably next year or when he's a senior and hopefully, uh, hopefully he chooses Alabama. You know, we can always use a lot of talent Oh yeah. for the local shout out. We're going to roll into our hot topic and we got two hot topics this week, but our first hot topic we're going to hit <laughs> is not really a sports hot topic, but it's, it's the biggest story of the week and it happened where Will Smith walked up <laughs> on stage and slapped comedian Chris Rock in the face at the Oscars. Oh man, that <laughs> I thought I because I I don't even think I saw it because I, I don't watch the Oscars like a lot of people. Um, I saw it in the morning, like a, I think a meme of it. I didn't even see the video. I saw a meme and I was like, "What is this?" And so I watched the video. I thought it was a joke, probably like a lot of people. Um thought it was staged and there's some people that still believe it was staged because of you know they say the oscars last year had the lowest um ratings in the history of the oscars so they're trying to get people to be interested now so they say i don't know i mean it looked pretty real to me it was (laughs) (laughs) i will say chris rock probably handled it about as well as he could have you know just getting smacked in the face and in front of all the celebrities plus you know whoever was watching uh, throughout the country and then even in other countries yeah i want to if you don't know what we're talking about i want to break it down for you so chris rock is a comedian and he was uh up on stage on the oscars and he was doing a joke he said a joke about will smith's wife basically she has a shave her head is basically bald basically shaved and he made a joke about it saying she's going to star in gi jane 2 which i didn't know what gi jane 1 was but apparently it's a it's a girl who's head shaved, and I think she's some kind of soldier. But he made a joke at it, and everybody's laughing, and Will Smith's even laughing. And then you see the clip where he's walking up on stage, and he just jack slaps Chris Rock right in the face. And I'm like, oh, there's no way. You know, this is totally a joke. And then he goes back to his seat, and Chris Rock's like, what's up, man? And, he, you know, he, he cusses him out. He said, keep my wife's name at your mouth. And he just keeps going on, and I'm like, whoa, this is not a joke. But then you see the video, you know, when he said the joke, Will Smith was laughing. And yeah. then it showed the camera of his wife, and his wife was not happy about the joke because apparently she does have some kind of disease that's making her lose her hair. And Chris Rock did come out, I think, with a statement that he didn't know that. And I feel bad for Chris Rock because he just absolutely got jack slapped in front of the whole world to see. And it's all over memes all over the country. Yeah, it's um, this is my thoughts on it. So, no, I mean, this is a hot topic. Don't want to spend too much time on it, but. I'm not justifying Chris Rock from, I mean, that was, you know, but these comedians, if you watch any comedian, um, it's, it's like they make jabs at people. They roast people. They, I mean, it's like literally no limits that they'll, who they'll kind of make, not make fun of, but make, I guess they are kind of making fun of, but make jokes at, I mean, 
white people, black people, Asians, Mexicans, disabled people, fat people, tall people, short people. So it's literally like no rules when it comes to comedians making jokes. And it's only personal. You only get offended if it's personal to you, you know. So, I, I mean, I wasn't surprised when he made the joke because it's like, I mean, that's what that's what comedians do. Um, so, I don't know. A lot of people are defending Will Smith and saying he did the right thing and these celebrities saying they're proud of him. It's like, look, if Will Smith – or not, excuse me, if Chris Rock comes to Mobile, Alabama, and I go to his show and I'm, you know, sitting there with my wife and he starts making fun of my wife, I walk up on stage and smack him in the face. For one, I'm going to jail <laughs> – because I just assaulted him. And two, there ain't no celebrity that's going to support me and stand up for me. Right. And, I mean, I hope both guys can hash it out like grown men, maybe behind the scenes and get over it. Well, our second hot topic of the night is the NFL just came out today with some overtime rule changes. And if you don't know, what really put this into place was last year in the playoffs, the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, they had maybe the greatest fourth quarter of all time. They were going back and forth, uh, yeah. touchdown, 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 That's last couple of minutes. Game. And basically the game, if you didn't know, the NFL overtime rule basically comes down to a coin toss. Whoever wins the coin toss, they get the ball. And if they score a touchdown, they win the game. And that's what happened. The Chiefs got the ball, and they scored a touchdown and won. And everybody in the country knows that the Bills would have got the ball and Josh Allen, they would have went out there, and they would have been in the AFC Championship. So they changed the rule where basically both teams will get the ball in the overtime, and then – if it's still tied after one overtime, the second overtime, it'll go to the sudden death how it was. And this rule is only going to be taking place in the playoffs. It'll still be the same uh, sudden death in the regular season. So what's your thoughts on this, Stephen? Uh, I mean, I, I can see it being good, but also can see it being, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of the in the same boat. So let's say in that game they were going back and forth. No one was stopping each other. So the Chiefs go down and score. Let's say the Bills got the ball back. They go down and score. Well, then it goes right back to the Chiefs. And then if they go down and score, the game's over anyway. So, I mean, I, I, it's exciting because it, it gives more football to watch. <clears throat> it can, it, you know, it, it gives the defense a chance to make a stop. But like I said, it's kind of going to – I don't want to say the same thing, but, I mean, let's be honest. Like you said, if the Bills would have got the ball first, they would have scored. So – if the Bills did get the ball back and score, like I said, the Chiefs would have got the ball right back after that and been in sudden death and, and scored and went on to win anyway. Yeah, I, I agree. I And I'm glad that they changed the rule, honestly, because you I like to see offense. I like to see great quarterbacks. And that's really, I think, why they changed it in the postseason. They said there's been 12 overtimes since this rule was taking place in postseason. And the team that got the ball first, won 10 out of those 12 times and the other team never got the ball back. So I think it's a good, it's a good, good. Yeah. It's an offensive game. Yeah, right. Absolutely. It's an offensive game. And I forgot to hit on earlier. We got three topics tonight. We're going to be hitting on Bama girls softball. We're going to be hitting on the NFL. And then of course, we're going to be hitting on March Madness final fours this weekend coming up. But our first topic of the night is Alabama girls softball. Yeah. 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 Did they, um, and I hadn't been able to watch as much as I wanted to. I try to follow them a little bit on social media to try to keep up, but uh, they're killing. I think last time we talked, the, I can't remember if it was the second episode or third episode, but they were 16-0 and 0 at that point, I believe. Um, now they're up to 28-4, and 4, so a really good record, ranked number four in the country. You know, 28-4 and 4 in any sports, uh, really good. They've done a great job. They just swept South Carolina the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks, and we talked about her the last time. Fouts, the pitcher is Montana Fouts, I believe. Yeah, uh, sixteen strikeouts, sixteen. That's a uh, that's pretty. And baseball, softball, no matter the level, sixteen strikeouts is a is a heck of a game. Montana Fouts, she's absolutely filthy from the pitcher's mouth. She's fifteen and one on the regular season, and I don't care what you're doing if you're fifteen and one as a starting pitcher. You're amazing. Like you said, they're 28-4. They're ranked number four in the country. And, you know, they haven't lost to, you know, 28-4. They've only got four losses, and they lost to really good opponents. They lost to uh, number 21, the ranked LSU. They lost to them twice. They lost to number two, Florida State, which is a good loss. I mean, and then they lost to number eight, Kentucky. So that's four quality losses right there. 
Yeah. I expect Alabama, the softball team, I expect them to go far and hopefully they can bring home, you know, the World Series crown. And when you got when you got a stud like Montana Fouts on the mound, I mean, it's easy to win because it's not like baseball. You know, softball, these girls, they can literally pitch every single game. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's not like baseball. You know, baseball, you pitch a game, a complete game, you're going to have to sit out five days of rest, honestly. But these girls, they can go out there night after night and really produce and put up. But we're not going to spend long on Alabama girls softball. We just wanted to, you know, put that in there and mention it. Our second topic is the NFL. NFL, man. Uh, we love football. We love talking about football. Uh, since we last had our had the last show, hasn't been a ton as like that's happened. But the biggest thing that has happened has been. Tyreek Hill, the cheetah, the fastest man in the NFL, was traded to the Dolphins for five picks. Uh, let's see, a first, second, and fourth round pick in this year's draft, and then a fourth and a sixth pick in next year's draft. Uh, so he, which, what do you think about this trade, and then who do you think won the trade? Dude, let's go. This, I am so excited. For the Miami Dolphins and Tua, uh, Tua's a Bama guy. We love Bama. And you have to be excited. You literally just added, the Dolphins just added, the most explosive weapon in the NFL, in Tyreek Hill. They signed him to a four-year, $120 million contract with $72 million of that guaranteed. This guy is the fastest guy in the NFL with pads on with the ball in his hands. And not only you had him, so you pair him with Jalen Waddle, another Bama guy that's insanely fast and insanely explosive. I think the Dolphins won this trade. I know they gave up a lot of draft picks, but, you know, Tyreek Hill is a proven commodity. Those draft picks, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have to do a good job, you know, draft him, right? Because you already know what Tyreek Hill is. He's the most dangerous weapon in the NFL. I'm not saying he's the best receiver. But, you know, he can score like that. You throw him a five-yard pass, and he can go 60 yards and hit his head on the goalpost. So, I think he's excited for the Dolphins. I think they hands down won this trade. And I think this trade is going to hurt the Kansas City Chiefs so bad because, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he looks around. You know, he used to just spin around and throw the ball 60 yards, and there goes Tyreek Hill wide open running down the field. And I think this trade is going to be huge for Tua, man. I, I am so excited for the Dolphins. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. I, I, I think the, I won't say the Dolphins won it. Um, and like you said, a lot of people say they gave up so much to get him. To me, it's not. Yeah, they gave up a lot of picks, but it's not that bad because you look at it. The 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 high picks are this year's draft. Um, so you get Tyreek Hill at why is he? I think he's 28 years old. One of the best receivers, fastest receiver in the NFL, most explosive receiver. Can, even if he didn't get the ball, he opens up your offense so much more just because of what he can do. Um, so they gave up first, second, and fourth round pick this year's draft. Even if they were going to draft a receiver, you're not getting anybody anywhere close to what Tyreek Kill can do. Absolutely not. So let's say, you know, they and they had – we'll talk about it later, but they had good free agency signings. They get Tyreek Hill. So, you know, you might say, yeah, we would like to see him fill some holes with those other picks. Well, they get a guy, like I said, that nobody, if they would have drafted, can compare to what he would do for this team. So, let's say they – I mean, next year, they still have their first – They a lot of teams, when they give up all these picks for a big-time player, you know, they'll give up a first-round pick in this year's draft, a first-round pick in next year's draft, a second-round pick to next year's draft. So, they give up all these picks in the next two or three drafts, whereas the bulk of these picks and the high picks are all in this draft. So – you get him for this year, this draft, you do what you can, and then next year you're right back to having a first-round pick, second-round pick, and I think they might even have two first-round picks next year. Yeah, I think that – yeah, I think they do because they got the 49ers pick from next year. I, we are both really excited about this trade for the Dolphins, and we'll hit on the Dolphins and Tua a little bit later, so I know we don't want to get too in-depth. But our next thing we're going to talk about in the NFL, we're really excited about. Me and Steve is going to break down our top five – NFL QBs for next year. This is not a, you know, this is not a legacy like who's had the best career. This is going to be for next year who we think the top five quarterbacks are going to be. And I'm going to start it off with number five. And, Stephen, we can just go back and forth and, you know, yeah, you know see what good. we think about it. 
but before I say this, I you know I texted I texted like six or seven people about this because I wanted to see you know is my list crazy or not, and a bunch of people that they they text me back and all like, we you know it was pretty consistent with these guys and I'm going to go over the list that everybody had. It was really consistent and pretty much everybody had the same list. There's a couple people, you know, somebody had Kyler Murray in their top five. I'm not going to you know, say who that is, but so my, my fifth quarterback in coming up this year, I think is going to be Matthew Stafford. He was second in the NFL and passing touchdowns last year. I think, this will be his second year with Sean McVay, and they just added Allen Robinson, a receiver. So I really think he just won a Super Bowl, so he got that monkey off his back. I think he's going to be absolutely electric next year. And I got a little – I'll say it's 5A. These guys are right there, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. I didn't bump them to five because Matthew Stafford won that Super Bowl, and I think Justin Herbert and Burrow have a little more to prove, maybe Justin Herbert a little more than Burrow because these two guys are really talented. But I got – uh, Matthew Stafford at number five, Stephen. Yeah, I, I think I probably would have had Stafford at – I didn't have him in my top five, six, or seven, only because I think I, OBJ still hasn't decided, but I don't think he's going back. And I, they lost Robert Woods. Um, so, not, I mean, they still have Cooper Cup and some other guys. I just think – I don't know if he'll be top five next year. My number five quarterback for next year, I'm going with Russell Wilson. We talked about this trade um, – to the, to the Broncos and everything, I think he's in a lot better position to be a top-five quarterback at the Broncos. Yeah, he had DK, DK Metcalf at the Seahawks, but as far as, as a group overall of skill players, I think he's in a lot better situation at the Seahawks to have great production. And, and not only that, he has a he's going to have a great running game that they can lean on and that it'll open up things in the passing game. So I think I see him having a pretty big year next year. Yeah, Russell Wilson, that's a really good – that's a good pick. And right now at number four, it may surprise you a little bit, Stephen. I know everybody had this guy on their list except I think one person. I got Patrick Mahomes. At number four, and a lot of people are like, no, 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 he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Listen, he may be, but I think next year he's going to take a step back. The loss, I don't think people are quite grasping how big that the Tyreek Hill loss is going to be for the Kansas City Chiefs. He did so much. The safeties had to stay back because how vertically, how fast this guy is. This guy is electric. He's an Olympic kind of speed that you only see you know, track guys have. So I think that'll hurt Patrick Mahomes next year. And I think he slides back to number four. He's still incredibly talented, but some of the stuff that he got away with in previous years with him just rolling around and slinging it up to Tyreek, I don't think that's going to be there. I think he's going to have to be more of a, you know, check down kind of quarterback unless they get a, a fast guy that can really go down the field and stretch it vertically. Yeah, uh, I actually don't even have Patrick in my top five because of that reason. Nice. Um, because, like you said, I mean, it's going to hurt him losing time. I don't think – I don't mean that he's going to be suck, you know. He's going to still be good. They're going to win a lot of games. They're going to more than likely make the playoffs. He's going to be a great quarterback. But Tyreek Hill leaving is going to really hurt them. Because, like you said, even if he doesn't touch the ball, he opened up so much underneath for Travis Kelsey, for all those other receivers – Thing so I think I mean they're still going to figure it out. Andy Reid's a great coach, great offensive mind. They might rely more on the running game and the running back and that type of thing. So they're still going to be good, but just because of Tyree Cleveland, I don't have him as a, in the top five. My number four guy is Joe Burrow. The reason I have Joe Burrow is because obviously what he did last year, but more importantly. He's at number four because of what they did along the offensive line and free agency. I think they signed three starters, like three really good players from other teams in free agency that are going to come in and start. So if he had a great year last year and he had a bad pass-blocking offensive line, I just can't imagine what he's going to do this year with Jamar Chase, another year in the league, all those other receivers, the running Joe Mixon, and then on top of that, he has time to to really sit back there and find somebody. Uh, I think he's going to be a top five quarterback. No, I like Joe Burrow. That's a, that, I mean, that's a really good pick right there. The thing about Joe Burrow, I think he's going to take maybe not him particularly take a step back, but I think that team is going to take a step back just because I think they caught lightning in the bottom. And the AFC is so loaded, and I think you know 
maybe some people will figure out Jamar Chase and stuff and how to cover him better. But I like Joe Burrow. He's a really good quarterback. He's a young guy. He's got a great mentality. But, you know, that's a good pick right there, Stephen. But uh, number three, I got Aaron Rodgers. Oh, discount, double check, Aaron Rodgers. The reason I got him at three, listen, he's run back-to-back MVPs. He's a no-doubt first ballot Hall of Famer. The guy is unbelievable. But the reason I got him at three and not higher, he just lost probably the best receiver in the NFL in Devontae Adams, and I think that's going to hurt him a lot. I don't think his play is going to slip a lot because I think that, you know, he can make anybody great. But I do think that it's going to hurt him. To a certain extent, he may not put up the big-time numbers. I think they may run the ball a lot more with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. And so I think that may hurt his numbers a little bit. But I got him at three. And pretty much everybody I texted and asked, they had Aaron Rodgers in their top five, which is a no-brainer because he's an absolute stud. Yeah, we uh, we actually agree on this one. I have Aaron Rodgers at number three. Like you said, he lost Devontae Adams. Um, and then he also lost uh, – I'm trying to say his name right. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I think yep. I said his name right. He was a guy that not as fast as Tyreek Hill, but he kind of served the same purpose. He was a speed guy, run down field, and if I don't throw you the ball, you're opening stuff up for other guys underneath. So lost Devontae Adams and, and him. Um, I don't know, dude. I, <laughs> outside of Devontae Adams, it was kind of scarce who they had as playmakers. You know, I think that they have two first-round picks now, so if they don't, at least spend one, maybe even two first-round picks on receivers. Um, he could end up – I could see him ending the year not top five, but, you know, as of right now, I have him at number three. Yeah, they definitely – you made a really good point right there. They have to – I mean, they absolutely have to get this guy a receiver in the first round. If you got to get him Jameson Williams, one of the Ohio State guys, Garrett Wilson – or Chris Olave, you got to get this guy a weapon, or I'm with you. He will be out of the top five. Now, number two, I got the guy you got at number five. I got Russell Wilson. I think this guy is going to have a huge, I mean, a huge season. He's going to be in the MVP conversation. I think he'll have a bounce back year. He's traded. He got out of Seattle. He was a little nicked up, a little injured last year. He got out of Seattle. He's got a ton of weapons, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, He's got a great running game, a great defense. And first-time head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, that's calling the plays for him. And I think he will take that step and be the second-best quarterback in the NFL. And I know that's kind of crazy. But every other person I asked, they had him in the top five. So I love Russell Wilson here. Yeah, that's not crazy at all. I mean, I could see him being number one when it's all said and done. Uh, So my number two is the young guy, Josh Allen. Big old Josh Allen had a had a really good year last year. Um, they've signed some, you know, obviously Stephon Diggs is back. They signed some guys in free agency, some more receivers, tight end, O.J. Howard. We mentioned a few episodes ago. So um, he, he's a guy he can do it. You know, he can obviously he can sling it probably 70 yards. He can run it. He can do it all. Um, I see him having even a better year than he did last year. Um, but he's in the AFC, so it's going to be stacked. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. But I see him being uh, in the top five for sure, maybe even top two. Yeah, and I'm just going to roll right into it because you said him at number two. I got him at number one, Josh Allen. I love watching Josh Allen play. He is fearless. The guy's a great – you know, and a lot of people think of Josh Allen, you know, he's not the runner that Lamar is or Kyler. But the guy's a great runner. He has 33 rushing touchdowns. Over his first four years in the NFL, I think he'll be the MVP next year. And I got right now, if you had to hold my feet to the fire, I would say the Buffalo Bills will win the Super Bowl next year. That's why I got him at number one. Listen, he put up, to me, one of the best fourth quarters of all time when they played the Chiefs and they got beat and he didn't get the ball in overtime. If they if he would have got the ball first in overtime, I think they could have they would have been playing the Rams in the Super Bowl and they very much could have won. I love Josh Allen. He's big. He's gotten better every single year that he's been in the NFL. And I I know losing Brian Dayball, his offensive coordinator, may hurt a little bit. But he is so talented. He can throw the ball 80 yards. I mean, he is a freak. I mean, you just look at him. He's like Cam Newton, but can absolutely sling it. So I got Josh Allen as the best quarterback in the NFL next year. Yeah, he's a beast. My 
guy is someone we haven't even mentioned yet. The old man himself, Tom Brady. And this is why. No matter what you think about Tom Brady, like him or not, he is the ultimate competitor. He strives for greatness. He never settles. He's never satisfied. He always wants more. Last year, they got beat in the second round, I believe. Um, it, they didn't finish the year like they wanted to. So I think he's going to come back with more of a fire. He also gets Chris Godwin back, who's you know his pro bowl receiver. He had he gets Mike Evans back, his pro bowl receiver. Leonard Fournette just re-signed with him, pro bowl running back. I think Gronk is coming is still going to play with him next year, I believe. Um, so they get, he gets all these guys back who also in the playoff run, I believe some of them were kind of banged up where some, I, I want to say Chris Godwin might've been out. So some of the receivers that he would normally have um, wasn't there with him. So, I mean, it, it, I think he's going on age 45. So I think with that, with those skill players, with that team, I could definitely see him leading the league again and passing yards and being a top five quarterback. Are you? Are you? So you really have Tom Brady number one. Heck you really yes, have Tom Brady at number one. I do. This may be the first. This will be the first time. It took us six episodes, but we will disagree on this topic. I think you know, listen, Tom Brady, undisputed. I think he is the goat. He's everybody's goat. How long he's been able to play at such a high level? The guy's got. Oh, how many Super Bowls do you want? Eight. I mean. Something like that. I think it's seven. I think he won six with the Patriots and one with the Bucks. Yeah. You know, eventually, it father time will catch up. They lost both of their uh, right guards. They lost both of them. I think that will hurt. You know, losing Antonio Brown last year really hurt a lot. Like you said, they are getting Chris Godwin back. They got Mike Evans. So, you know, that's not too crazy. I asked, like I said, I asked six people. Not one person had Tom Brady in the top five. As I'm going I, out there. I'm, I'm, well, this is this is also based on everybody staying healthy. <laughs> this is based on like none of those, none of the Pro Bowl receivers getting hurt. No, yeah, you, yeah, that that's a that's a gutsy pick. But look, a lot of people listen. There is people all over the country that would agree with you. They love Tom Brady. I, I'm not the biggest Tom Brady fan, so obviously I may be a little biased here because I just really don't like the guy. But he's a phenomenal quarterback. That's a really Really yeah. good. Oh, I'm, that's and that's the thing. I'm not a Tom Brady fan either. But I was like looking at it. I was like, man, he. I mean, he. He's just so competitive and hates losing and is just wants perfection. And I just, I don't know. I just feel like he's coming back. I don't want to say with a vengeance. I mean, the guy. Well, he doesn't really have anything else to prove. But I just think that's his mindset that I'm going to come back and show y'all what I can still do. And um, I mean, we'll see. No, yeah, I, like you said, hey. Time will only tell about these lists, but that that you had a really good list. I think so like I had a decent list. We're gonna roll into the next to- or last really topic in the NFL, and well, we got two. We're gonna talk about the we're gonna talk about the Patriots and the Dolphins, specifically Matt Jones and Tua. Those are both Bama Q- QBs. I know we both love them, but the first one we're gonna hit on is the Patriots and Matt Jones. What are your expectations for this team coming up, Stephen? And your expectations for Matt? Well. For the Patriots, it's not looking um, – I mean, it, it, I guess it depends because you know, there's still some free agency signings they can make. They just signed Jabril Peppers today. Um, he's a defender. They haven't – we thought maybe they would get Max some help, um, try to get him some help. I guess, you know, we can, we'll sit, wait and see for the draft and still see if they do that. But it's like you kind of wonder what they're doing. Um, I don't know who the heck is going to be calling the plays. I think it's Matt Patricia and and, and Joe Judge, I believe, are the ones going to be like, I guess, co-offensive coordinators maybe, which is kind of baffling because I don't think anyone, either of them has ever been an offensive coordinator. They're both like a special teams or defensive guy or, or tight end or something like that. So uh, I, could, I could see them uh, – I mean, you know, being an AFC and they're in the same division with, you know, Bills, Dolphins – I could see him not making the playoffs, which I hate for, you know, obviously we're Mac fans being, we hope that he does well, but I can see him not making the playoffs. So they still got, uh, there's still a lot of time for the, the season. There's still a lot of moves they can make, but as of right now, um, 
I think he has a decent year, but I don't see him making the playoffs at all. Yeah. I, what are the Patriots doing? Listen, we I have no clue what the New England Patriots are doing. And listen, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, trust Bill Belichick. He's the GOAT. Kind of like they say that with Saban. But let me tell you the difference between Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. Bill Belichick had the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. Nick Saban has to go through different quarterbacks, different players. He has to keep, you know, updating his resume, keep getting new players and making them buy in everything. Bill Belichick has had Tom Brady. And he won his six Super Bowls with Tom Brady. Before he had Tom Brady, he was a decent head coach. He was not a very good head coach. After he's had Tom Brady, you know, he had it's been two years and they haven't been that great. I don't know what they're doing. Like you said, they're not gonna Bill Belichick said he's not naming a defensive coordinator this year or an offensive coordinator. Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are gonna be running the offense. And I don't know if anybody listening. You don't know who Joe Judge or Matt Patricia is, but Joe Judge, he was the the head coach for the New York Giants the last two years. And let me tell you, they had one of the worst offenses in the NFL over his last two years, his two years as head coach with the Giants. Matt Patricia, not last year, but the three years before that, he was the head coach of the Detroit Lions. Their offense was terrible. They both did a terrible job and they both got fired. You know, like you said, Joe Judge has been a special teams coordinator pretty much his whole life, and Matt Patricia has been a defensive coordinator his whole life. So why are they on the offensive side? How is that even going to make Mac Jones better? And then I heard I heard a report today that Bill Belichick may be calling plays this year on offense, and he's been a defensive guy his whole career. So I don't really know what's going on, but I'm with you. I, I don't see the Patriots making the playoffs, not right now, unless they make a huge trade or some changes happen. I just don't see it, man. It, yeah, I hate I, it for Mac. Cause it'd be Mac interesting is, to see Bill call the plays. He'll be like, all right, Mac, here we go. You're going to get under center. You're going to snap it. You're going to hand it off to the right to Damian Harris, and that's it. <laughs> you know, I don't know what – man, that's going to be interesting to see. Um, the only thing I can think of, you know, maybe because Hunter Henry had a good year last year. Johnny Smith, who was a big free agent signing, who was supposed to really help their offense – didn't do much last year, so maybe they're thinking he's going to come along and not have another bad year. Maybe they're thinking some of the other receivers, with it being their second year in this in, at the Patriots, and you know that they'll be a little bit better. So and who knows? They might still they might they could draft some receivers. So who knows? Yeah, they could. Hey, here's Bill Belichick. Hey, run right, run left. Run up the middle. All right, let's punt and let's play defense. Yeah, that, that's going to work great. Our next team we're talking about in the quarterback is the Dolphins. These two teams are going basically in opposite direction. The Dolphins have completely, completely went all out to make Tua Tungapailoa the best he can possibly be. And I love the Dolphins. What are you thinking about the Dolphins? I love it. I think, you know, this is, this is Tua's time. You know, he obviously has a lot of pressure on him. But I think it's it's going to help him and his confidence having a coach that believes in him and that actually tries the not to not that the previous coach didn't try, but I mean let's be honest, they didn't really put a lot of people around. You know, they drafted Jalen Waddle, so but Mike, I'm trying. What's his name? Mike McDaniel's. Yeah. Um, so he's he's really making effort to, and it's not like ridiculous things they're doing. Like you know, they're giving up all these draft picks and the next two or three drafts to get all these players. Like, no, they're making good free agent signings. They signed two really good offensive linemen. We already talked about Tyreek Hill that they traded for. They signed two running backs, Raheem Mostert. Um, I guess that's how you say his last name. Yeah. And then what's the other guy? Chase Edmonds from the Cardinals. So two running backs, two offensive linemen. They got a – you know, um, I think they got another receiver that came over from the 49ers. Not a big-time guy, but maybe can add some depth and some, some leadership. Uh, and Tyreek Hill, obviously. I think they're going to, you know, Mike McDaniels, everybody that you talk to, uh, that you hear from, that you listen, talk about him, that played for him or coached with him, talks about how he's just a, a genius and he, he really understands the offense and will absolutely get the best out of Tua and will help him in every aspect of his game. Yeah, I'm so excited for two. I wrote down a bunch of stuff just because I really want to, you know, you know, make this point, you know, really hard because, listen, Dan Orlovsky, he is a brilliant offensive mind in the NFL. 
He, you know, he's a great offensive analyst. He said he thinks Tua will be a top 12 QB in the NFL next year. A top 12. That's really impressive for Tua if that happens. Listen, I think Tua's got a top three right now. Top three skilled players in the NFL when you got, like you said, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Mike Gusecki. They got Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys. They got them two running backs that you said. And then Mike McDaniels. He's, uh, Mike McDaniels came out and he said he feels like Tua has a lot of untapped potential that he's going to – it's his job to pull it out of him. And like you said, everybody that has talked about Mike McDaniels, they've said he's a brilliant offensive mind and that his schemes are just great. He, you know, he helped um, – uh, what's his name? Kyle Shanahan, yeah, Kyle Shanahan for the 49ers. He came up with that great scheme, how to use Debo Samuels, and he was their running game coordinator. He really came up with a lot of good play-action passes in the running game. And Tua finally gets a coach that believes in him. I think the biggest move the Dolphins made, I don't think it was getting Tyreek Hill because, listen, Tyreek Hill, he's great. I think it was getting Mike McDaniels as the head coach. You get a guy that believes in Tua, that's a brilliant offensive mind, and uh, I think he's going to pull the best out of – Tua, and I'm so excited for the Dolphins. I got them making the playoffs. I know that's bold for a lot of people, but I, I just think they're so talented offensive end. And Mike Badaniels, he came out and said, it was basically we're going to be playing basketball on grass because they're just going to be getting up and down. They got so much speed, so much athleticism. And he said, Tua, he just has to be the point guard. Yeah, I, and I forgot. Yeah, I even forgot about Cedric Wilson. They got from the Cowboys. That's a guy that you know he wasn't a superstar at the Cowboys, but he was also behind Amari Cooper, um, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup. But he still had a had a really good year uh, last year. Got better and better of the few seasons he's been in the NFL. So he's going to be a really good slot guy. You know, they have if they don't trade him, Devontae Parker, who isn't a superstar, but he's still you know pretty good receiver, decent receiver, big guy. So uh, they have a lot of options. They have, a, you know, again, we say it over and over, Tyreek Hill is going to open up so much. I mean, Jalen Waddle, if you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on one side or on, on both, one on one side and one on the other, and they both run a deep route, or even if you have them kind of stacked on top of each other on one side, it's kind of like pick your poison there. But then they could hit, you know, Gusecki, the tight end, or Cedric Wilson, or one of the running backs out of the backfield. So, I think it's going to be fun to watch. Um, I think he takes a, a huge step. But, yeah, a lot of people, I don't want to say hate him, but they give him a lot of hate. Um, and, and I don't understand it. Maybe it's because we're Bama fans. But why do you think Tua gets so much hate from everyone? You know, dude, I don't know. Honestly, I, listen, I think maybe it's a Bama thing, Bama fatigue. Listen, Tua, he was, he was an all-time great quarterback at Alabama. And listen, I think the injury could have took a lot out of him. And a lot of people say, see, I told you he was a bust. I told you this and that. The man had a huge hip injury in college. You know, I think it was the same injury that happened to Bo Jackson. And he never, I don't even think, could play again. And so people just continue to harp on the guy. I don't know. What is it? Because he's a left-handed quarterback. I don't know why people hate him. But like you said, man, this guy is so hated. People have been janking him, you know, all week, ever since they got the Tyreek Hill trade, they've been saying, oh, Tua can't throw the ball deep. Tua can't do this. Tua can't do that. Well, I know I saw him do it at Bama. I know you saw him do it at Bama. I know millions of Bama fans saw him uh, week in and week out, you know, just chunking the ball downfield and just with deadly accurate and everything. So, I don't know. Maybe the injury did take something out of him, but I have no clue. You know, why, why do you think people hate him so much? I mean, like you said, I think it's a Bama thing because this is look, here's the thing. Tua had three – well, his freshman year when he played in mop-up duty and then he won the national championship, I could, I'd say, you know, people could could see he was going to be great. And then his sophomore and junior seasons, he had really great years. Um, and then what what was everybody saying coming out of the draft? Oh, he's has all these top-notch NFL caliber receivers at Alabama. Um, you know, he – you know, well, guess he still had – like you said, throwing the deep ball, yeah – they might have been open. They might have had their man beat pretty good. He still has to hit them in stride. He still has to get the ball to them. So, and, you know, they said, oh, he's got all these receivers. When he doesn't have that in the NFL, he's going to suck. And then Joe Burrow in that same year, his first year at LSU, he sucked. I mean, he was average maybe at best. Yeah, it was terrible. At best average. And that's probably – highballing it so he, he sucks his first year at LSU then he goes in one year at LSU 
Nobody even had him getting drafted. I think the highest people had him get him drafted was maybe a seventh rounder. And then one, he has one great season where he has Jamar Chase, Jordan Jefferson, both pro bowlers, Clyde Edwards-Elair, running back for the Chiefs. So he has one great year. Nobody, nobody seems to care that, oh, yeah, he only had one great year. Now, he has translated very well to the NFL. And a lot of people want to compare Tua to Joe Burrow, Tua to um, – um, Justin Herbert, but it's so hard to compare apples to apples in any sport, but especially football because it's overall. Look at the coaching. Who you're, you know, who did your coach set you up for success? Does he put players around you? Um, look at the skill players the, the the Chargers and Bengals have compared to the Dolphins. Look at the offensive lines. The, the Dolphins had one like the worst, if not the worst, one of the worst offensive lines last year. Now the Bengals had a bad offensive line, but here's the difference: Joe Mixon, the running back for the Bengals, was a top five rusher, so they at least had a somewhat of a running game, okay running game to take the pressure off of Joe Burrow. Whereas the Dolphins were last or one of the last uh, bottom, you know, three teams in the NFL and running the ball, so you can't run the ball. So they're not threatened. Defense isn't threatened by the run. You can't pass block. So it's like, well, we don't. We're not threatened deep because if you have to block for more than three seconds, then we're getting hit. You know, I tried to watch as many Dolphins games as I could last year, and I swear it had to be like ninety percent of the time, ninety-five percent of the time on a pass play, he's either getting sacked, hit as he's throwing it, or he's having to roll out of the pocket or step up and avoid pressure or something like that. Yeah, and, and wrapping this up, you know, I agree with every single thing that you said. Listen, two was his rookie year in the NFL. He was not even supposed to play. A lot of people saying it was going to be a redshirt year. He got put in halfway through the year. I don't think he, you know, I don't think he was completely healthy. He didn't even get a chance to train. This pass off, I mean, this uh, his second year, he's like you said, he's playing against a back uh, behind a terrible offensive line, getting destroyed. His skill players wasn't even very good. You got, got Jalen Waddle, and, you know, people's like, well, you know, he didn't throw the ball deep. How can you throw the ball deep? I mean, seriously, how can you? The man's taking a three-step drop and getting destroyed. He can't throw the ball deep because he's on his back, right? So, I, I don't know why, but I hope, listen, the, the Dolphins have done everything this offseason to make Tua better next year. And I hope he takes that step. I hope, you know, Dan Orlowski is right. I hope he takes that step, and I, I think he can. I hope he leads into the playoffs. I hope he proves a lot of people wrong. Tua is a phenomenal guy. He is a really good all-around Christian guy. And I hope nothing but the best for two and the Dolphins. And I really hope he succeeds this coming up year. But we're going to roll into our last topic of the night. It's uh, topic number three. It's March Madness. Steven, how is your bracket looking in your final four? <sighs> well, I have only one of my teams in it. Um, on the, the bracket that we went over, only one team in it that is um, – that I got my final four correct. Uh, correct. But this one's looking kind of smart because we talked about – because Duke's in it, and we talked about how uh, a lot of people didn't have Duke because they looked terrible. They thought they was going to fall apart and stuff. Um, to my uh, – I guess not really amazement, but um, kind of amazement, you know. They've made it to the final four and have a chance to go on and play for the national championship. Yeah, well, I know you 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 said you only have one team, but it's better than mine. I have absolutely nobody in the Final Four. I have Gonzaga, Kentucky, Tennessee. Whoa, whoa, yeah, never mind. I got Kansas. I do got one. Hey, there, look at there. I got Kansas in there. I picked them, you know, to go to the Final Four. <laughs> Lord, I wasn't even looking at the bottom of the bracket, but I got Kansas. You know, in the Final Four, you got if nobody if if you're listening, you don't know. You got North Carolina and Duke. They're playing Coach K's last year. I mean, this is a storybook, you know, finish. Yeah, it is. Coach K, you know, if you don't know, North Carolina and Duke, in basketball, they are the Alabama to Auburn in football. They absolutely hate each other in basketball. There is probably the biggest rivalry in all of college basketball, North Carolina and Duke. They'll be playing for the right to go to the championship. And then on the other side, you got Kansas and Villanova. Honestly – I think Kansas will beat Villanova, and I think Duke will beat North Carolina in Coach K's final time playing North Carolina. You know, they played at the end of the year, and everybody's made a huge deal about that game because they thought it would be his last time playing North Carolina when North Carolina beat them. But guess what? 
they have another chance to play North Carolina. And I think Duke gets them this time, which will make a huge matchup, Duke versus Kansas in the championship. And, you know, Coach K won his first championship against who? Against Kansas, which is insane. If he could beat Kansas in the championship, that's who he beat his first time, and that could be who he beat his last. But I think Kansas will end up beating Duke in the championship. I'm going to have Duke beat North Carolina. I have Kansas beating Villanova. But I got to roll. I rolled with them this far, so I got to keep going, going with them. I got to roll with Duke. Um, I have Duke winning, winning it all. Man, what a storybook ending, like you said. What that would just be. You couldn't even, even if you was writing a story, you couldn't tell it have a better ending than this. Right? Duke for one in the Final Four matchup, Duke and North Carolina, like you said, and then Duke and Kansas. So. The team he beat to get his first championship, and then if he beats them, get his last championship, and right off into the sunset. Yeah, like you said, this is a storybook for Coach K, and you could be right. You know, I have mixed but I hope Duke wins, but I just think Kansas is going to win. And the Final Four will be played this Saturday, and then the championship, I believe, will be Monday. I think we may do our episode on Tuesday so we can kind of recap maybe the championship a little bit. Yeah, and so really, our next, our last, you know, thing we're going to talk about is uh, Alabama basketball and Nate Oates. You know, me and you we were kind of texting back and forth. I've seen a lot of people, you know, sticking up for Nate Oates, saying the criticism that other people are giving him is unwarranted. What are your thoughts? Do you think the Nate Oates criticism is warranted, and do you think that he needs to improve or his job could be on the line, or what do you think about that? It is absolutely warranted. In fact, he needs to be criticized even more than people are criticizing. Because here's the thing, like we talked about last week, this this is what just annoyed the crap out of me the whole season, his inability to adapt his team. We, we've said the stat numerous times. They love shooting the three. They ranked eighth in the country at shooting – threes per game at, at, excuse me, attempting threes per game, eighth in the country, but they were tied for 297th at three point percentage. There's only 358 D1 basketball teams in the country. So they're one of the tops in the country at attempting threes, one of the worst at making them. So he just, that's what just frustrated me. And I know you and a lot of other Alabama fans, his inability to adapt on almost like a stubbornness, like, no, this is how we do it. If we lose, we lose, but we're going to lose my way. Well, yeah, you lost your way. That's for dang sure. Because, but he, something's got to change. I'm not saying if he has, if he's going to get fired, if, if they don't make a run next year, that's not what I'm saying. But if they don't look better, look, have promise, um, yeah, I say half promise. I mean, he's going into his what fourth year, so. But if they don't look a lot better next year, his seat will be extremely hot. I agree a hundred percent with with what you just said. Listen, it is absolutely warranted to be all over Nate Oates. Listen, we have said it every single episode. Alabama basketball is a disappointment. Listen, Nate Oates would wear – I'm going to say it again, and hopefully this is the last time I say it, maybe till next year when Alabama basketball kicks it back up. Nate Oates, some coaches would rather lose playing their way than win playing another team's way, like you said. And listen, I, and I forgot who was saying it. I wish I could remember. But it was a college basketball uh, analyst, and he was saying, listen, the mid-range, you have to use it because this is why, especially in college. What do teams not want to give up, Steven? They don't want to give up three-pointers or they don't want to give up layups, right? Right. The big man wants to sit in the paint and block everything at the, at the, uh, at the, in the paint, right? right. So, and then they, they teach your shooters, they tell your guards, run the guys off the three-point line, run them off the three-point line. So, guess what? If you, if you take an easy pump fake, two dribbles in, you got an easy 15-footer because the big man don't want to come out on you. He wants to stay in the lane. So, I think that is what Nate Oates has to improve on. You have to get your offense better. You have to get your defense better. And the first and foremost thing you got to do is get your guys to buy in to what you're trying to teach them and buy in and believe, you know, that they're there. Hey, we're not there to, you know, go to the March Madness, the NCAA tournament, and get bounced in the first round. We're here to win. You know, Arkansas 
uh, Arkansas's coach, he got to Arkansas the same time Nate Oates has. And you want to know what? Arkansas has been to the Elite Eight in the last two years. Yep. Plus, they got one of the top recruiting classes coming in next year. They already have three five-stars. And I know Alabama's got two five-stars coming in, but Arkansas has three five-stars. So, and Arkansas, they they shouldn't be better than Alabama. I would say them two programs, I'm not saying Alabama's going to be better than Kentucky because Kentucky is what Alabama is in football. Kentucky is in basketball. But I think Alabama and Arkansas is comparable. I think that Alabama should be just as good as Arkansas. And so I think the pressure on Nate Oates is extremely ramped up. Yeah. And and I hope I hope for his sake that the team comes out next year and plays above their head and really produces and really goes far in the tournament. I hope so. We'll have to see because I haven't seen any players come out and say that they're – I mean, obviously, Quinterly, he's gone. Um, but I don't think any other player has – not that I know of – has confirmed that they for sure will not be coming back next year. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think any player has. I know, I've seen that Alabama's been looking at some transfers and stuff. And uh, so hopefully, like I said, they're getting two five-star guys coming in. Hopefully they get some transfers and maybe some guys stay. I don't know. I, I think J.D. Davidson's gone. But hopefully some guys stay. And really closing for tonight, I want to thank everybody for listening, first and foremost. But, you know, coming up these next couple of weeks, you know, shoot us an email. You know, give us things to talk about. Get Shoot us questions, anything you want us to talk about things you want us to go over, if you want us to give us some list or anything we can do for you, just let us know. Uh, like I said, hit us up on our social. You can listen to the episodes. We got the links in our bio. Just go to that. You can email us at talk at gmail.com. We, we love doing this. I mean, I know, you know, I'm not talking for Steven, but we really love and we're passionate about sports, and we yeah. love getting to come on here, you know, once a week and just go over everything happening in the sports world, especially with Bama and the NFL. We just love it, and we really appreciate everybody for taking time out of their night or day and listening to us. And uh, hopefully you stick around, uh, subscribe, give us a share, give us a follow, and we can't wait to talk next week. Thank you.